the actual essence of Bhagavad Gita is in these two verses. Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana, Sambandha. Krishna is given Sambandha in the eighth text. That this is actually the the interrelationship of the Supreme Lord with his various energies. Uh, this chapter, opulence is the absolute. So in the eighth text, Krishna says, I am the source of all spiritual and material worlds. So um, everything emanates from me. The wise who know this uh, engage in my devotional service and worship me with all my heart. So this is basically sambandha, interrelationship between the Lord and his various energies. This whole chapter, opulences of the, of the absolute, gives us some preliminary knowledge of Krishna's various energies. And the chapter is also called Asvarya, the opulences of the absolute. Uh, we're going to note in the verses we go over tonight, Arjuna is going to he's going to state his, his understanding of, of Krishna and then he's going to make some requests that Krishna give give some further knowledge as to his various potencies, his shaktis, his opulences. Sambandha, the interrelationships between the Lord and his various energies and the living entities and the material creation. Abhideya, how to execute one's existence in such a way that those interrelationships can be fully appreciated. So in the 10th verse, I'm sorry, in the 9th verse, that practice of devotional services is delineated. Krishna gives some, some indication as to how his pure devotees execute their lives in such a way that they, they properly understand those interrelationships. Lots of my pure devotees dwell in me, their lives are fully devoted to, me, to my service, and they derive great satisfaction and bliss from an, always enlightening one another and conversing about me. So basically, this is our practice of, of spiritual life, that we, that we converse about spiritual subject matter, that we don't let our minds become completely wrapped up in material existence. It's not that we can totally unwrap ourselves from material existence. We have a body. We have to take care of the body. We have to provide for our families. We have to do some service in relationship with, those, with that nature that we've acquired with the body. Everyone's nature is different. People have different propensities. Krishna has explained in Bhagavad Gita that he's, he's basically given directions in the Vedas as to how, according to that nature that we've acquired, that body that we've acquired, how we can work according to that nature and also make spiritual advancement. So we can satisfy the, our, our material nature. We can satisfy those relationships that are bore of this material nature, but we can do it in such a way that we do not lose sight of the goal of life. The goal of life is to, to understand the Supreme, to understand the Lord, to understand our spiritual nature, to not be bewildered in this world and uh, simply become exploitive in our character. Uh, unfortunately, in this day and age, exploitation is the name of the game. And we can see what the unfortunate result of that exploitation is. Even now, we're feeling like a pinch from the uh, exploitation of, uh, you know, corporate America and, and uh, governments gone wild. 
So this, this happens throughout society, throughout time. There's uh, one living entity is trying to live at the expense of another. <laughs> now, what I want to do tonight is I want to go over, first of all, these last two verses, these four verses, beginning with the eighth, and uh, on to the ninth, where the, the activity of devotional service is, is, is stressed. Uh, how one fixes his mind on Krishna. And we see that the primary, the primary focus that Krishna gives in this ninth verse is the interrelationship amongst the devotees of the Lord. This is the way we advance in spiritual life. This is the abhideya, the practice How's the practice? Their lives are fully devoted to me. And how do they maintain that devotion to the Supreme? They enliven one another and converse about me. Spiritual life is not something that's done in a vacuum for those that are truly spiritually inclined. True spiritual life is done in the assembly of spiritual people. Now, of course, there'll be transcendentalists, there'll be, there'll be certain yogis who say, well, if you really want to make spiritual advancement, you have to, you have to withdraw yourself entirely. You have to you go off by yourself into the jungle or into the mountains of the Himalayas or one place or another. You have to basically divorce yourself from everything. And, of course, there's some, there is some credibility to the fact that we must divorce ourselves but we must divorce ourselves from those personalities and those, that association which simply drags us down into the material plane. But we should never divorce ourselves from like-minded transcendentalists who are perfect servants of the Lord. So that's the key to the practice of devotional service. And Krishna, in this heart of Bhagavad Gita, he's bringing this out. That the devotees, they come together and what do they do? They converse about me. They converse about me together. Not that they run off to the jungle by themselves and try to conquer their mind and their senses. It's much easier done in the assembly of devotees. So now, moving on to the verses 10 and 11. What is the goal? What is the goal of spiritual life? Tesam satata yuktanam bhajitam priti purvakam dadami budi yogam tam yena mam upayanti te upayanti upayanti so many nice words here but first of all priti purvakam the tenth verse priti purvakam in loving ecstasy this is the goal of devotional life to those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. But if we look to the word for word, so much other knowledge, so much more is given. And Prabhupada explains in the poor part. But Preeti Purvakam, in loving ecstasy, this is the goal of our spiritual life, to come to a platform of spiritual exchange in rapture and appreciation and love for the Supreme Lord. Preeti Purvakam. 
Upayanti, Upanishads. We've heard the word Upanishads. All those talk about religious literature. We talk about Upanishads. What does that mean? Upa. Upa means to come close. Gather closely. Confidentially, you should know. This coming to Krishna, this coming close to the Supreme Lord, is there through this practice of devotional service. And this is the goal of our practice. Two, through loving, ecstatic exchange, come close with Krishna. And then Krishna goes on to explain the actual unique characteristic of the practice of pure, unalloyed devotional service. Tesam evanu kampartham aham agyana jam tama nasayam yatma bhavastyo jnana dipena basvita. To show them special mercy, I dwelling in their hearts destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. Earlier in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has touched upon jnana, the process of acquiring knowledge of the Supreme, knowledge of spiritual subject matter. And he's touched upon the practice of yoga, the practice of controlling the mind and senses. Both of these practices are very advantageous to situating ourselves in the mode of goodness. Now within this material world, we see the influence of the Lord's external energy is there in goodness, passion, and ignorance. Until one elevates themselves, generally speaking, of course there's always exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, until one comes to the platform of goodness, advancement in spiritual life is going to be very difficult. So therefore, the practice of jnana, acquiring knowledge as to our true nature, our spiritual nature, as to the material world, as to the Supreme Lord, and his specific spiritual attributes and characteristics. That knowledge elevates us. We learn what, how to conduct ourselves, what to do and what not to do. That elevates us to the platform of, of goodness. And also the practice of yoga, the practice of controlling the mind and senses, and not letting the senses run rampant and do you know, whatever and do anything and everything, uh, engage in some kind of activity that's going to have a very bad reaction, bad karma. We, don't, we want to avoid those kind of activities that are going to keep us bound up in the continual cycle of birth and death. But here in this 11th verse, Krishna's talking about bhakti yoga. In bhakti yoga, the true platform of spiritual attainment, prayojana. Again, we're talking sambandha, abhideya prayojana. That platform of spiritual attainment, of pure love for the Supreme Lord, that is attained by one characteristic. And Krishna speaks to that in this 11th verse. And what does he say? Where does pure bhakti come from? Mercy? Yes. To show them special mercy. 
I dwelling in their hearts destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. He allows that loving ecstasy to fully flourish in relationship to him, in coming close to him. It is above gyan, the practice of bhakti yoga. It is above the practice of astanga yoga. Attainment of pure unalloyed devotional service, that is given by Krishna alone. I was thinking tonight we would chant verse, uh, verse 12. After hearing these instructions, these four, uh, Chatur Slok, the, the, the heart of Bhagavad Gita, you can imagine Arjuna's sense. These are ecstatic prayers that we're going to study tonight. This is Arjuna's ecstasy of realizing that his dear most friend is God. He's actually come to this realization by Krishna's instructions in the 10th chapter. Arjuna's come to the realization, my chariot driver, my dear friend, is the supreme personality of Godhead. He's just established the fact beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he's given me that knowledge in my heart. And I understand it. In response to that loving understanding, we're going to study Arjuna's responses this evening. Arjuna Vacha, Param Brahma, Param Dharma, Pavitram Paramam Bhavan, Purusham Saspatam Divyam Adideva Majam Vibhu. Ahastwam rashya sarve devarsir naradastata sito devalo vyasa swayam chaiva bhavishyame. Arjuna said, You are the supreme personality of Godhead, the ultimate abode, the purest, the absolute truth. You are the eternal, transcendental, original person, the unborn, the greatest. All the great sages, such as Narada, Sita, Devala, and Vyas, confirm this truth about you. And now you yourself are declaring it to me. Omajana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshur Unmilitanyena, Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. This is uh, Arjuna's conclusion uh, that. The personality standing before him on the battlefield of Kurukshetra is the Supreme Lord. And the Supreme Lord has these characteristics that uh, he's the supreme truth, Param Brahma. He's the supreme sustenance, Param Dharma. Pabitram, Param. He's the purest of the pure. Bhavan. Purusham. He is a person. And he is eternal. And he is transcendental. And he is the original person. Adi Devam. He is unborn. Ajam. Vibhum. He is the greatest. And... I've come to this realization by your mercy, but I'm not alone. 
I'm not the only person that has come to this conclusion as to your divinity, as to the fact that you are the Supreme Lord. There's a whole host of saintly persons who have come to the same conclusion. And just to name a few, Narda, Asita, Devala, Vyasadeva, the compiler of all the Vedas, they've also come to this same realization. So Arjuna is making the point very emphatically. These are your characteristics. These are the, this is the character of the Supreme. Here's the supreme truth, mm. supreme sustenance, supreme pure, supreme personality. He's eternal, unborn, ever existing, undying. He's not slain when the body's slain. He never has a material body. So, after hearing the heart of Bhagavad Gita, this is Arjuna's conclusion. And he backs up that conclusion by citing Vedic authority and saintly personalities. If you really look to the, the significance of the introduction of Krishna consciousness in the Western world, um, we see that the unique characteristic that is there in Krishna consciousness is spiritual authority. Now, of course, in the Western world, primarily Christianity uh, practiced, and they have their scripture Bible, but it's very difficult for, for one of any intelligence to grasp the intent of the Bible because everybody says the intent is different. It could be very bewildering. Well, you're saying Jesus is here, but then Jesus is there, but this is the way Jesus thought. No, well, this is the... And, One's intelligence will become bewildered. Where do I find Jesus in the Bible? Whose Bible does Jesus reside in? If I want to find the Son of God who has the same purpose as the Supreme Lord, to what denomination do I look? To what sect do I take shelter what priest, what, what pope, what uh, archbishop, what... I don't know, they have so many <laughs> names for their leaders. I, but where do I go to find that knowledge? And for myself, when I came across Bhagavad Gita as presented by Bhaktivedanta Swami, this impressed me the most. That here is knowledge of what is matter and what is spirit and what is God and who am I where did I come from what am I doing here why am I suffering what is karma 
What is the planetary systems? How's the universe created? How's it destroyed? Why is it even here in the first place? Why am I here in the second place? What brought me here? And throughout, re throughout my initial reading of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, everywhere he wrote, he backed up what he said with scripture. With other, he quotes this scripture and that scripture, and he brings the point home, but he never says it's my point. He never said, This is my perspective. This is my conclusion. This is my religion. I am the guru because I've come to this knowledge of my own volition. Never. Everything in all of Bhaktivedanta purports, you will find everything is there and it is corroborated by other spiritual teachers in the line and it is backed up by scripture, by so many scriptures. It's like there's a foundation or a starting point and then from there you can uh, find the end. Yes, to guess. we have a solid foundation. Yes, yes. Foundation. And that solid foundation is in so many spiritual literatures. And as Arjuna is saying here, he's come to this conclusion, but he also knows that this conclusion has been, has been arrived at by other spiritual practitioners in the line. So Prabhupada in his purport to this verse stresses the significance of parampara. That knowledge which is coming down in pure disciplic succession without adulteration. And that's what we have trouble with. Now, if there was no adulteration in the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ, if there was not so many different sects and, and, and interpretations and conclusions, it would be a lot easier to follow his teachings. But we have difficulty knowing where is the Bible as it is? What did Jesus actually say? Which disciples actually are carrying it through properly? Well, the disciples aren't there anymore, and we can see that, wow, it just it does it's difficult for us. Krishna consciousness takes that difficulty away. Krishna consciousness is founded in the parampara system of pure spiritual masters coming into disciplic succession, delivering this knowledge, and making it more relishable in the process, in passing down transcendental knowledge. The spiritual masters, due to their own realizations and their own loving sentiment for the Lord, make the message even more relishable. For their disciples. Who make it more relishable for their disciples. Now this is all on the transcendental platform. So all the disciples of all the spiritual masters. Are relishing it equally. In an absolute way. But the significance of the parampara system is. It's coming down without adulteration. And it is just like nectar and Everyone is hearing and experiencing that nectar in such a way that 
that it does not become in any way, it is not adulterated in any way. And that is so very significant for one seeking spiritual knowledge. To get the real thing. To get it without some mental concoction which is based on on, on the material mind which can be influenced by the modes of material nature. Now we've talked about the four defects. We, everybody within the material world has these four defects. Because we are influenced by the modes of material nature and we are prone to try to exploit this material world for our own purposes. First of all, we have imperfect senses. We can become illusioned. We make mistakes. And we always want the easy way out. We have a tendency to cheat. The bona fide spiritual master is free of these defects. In other words, he's come to the platform where there is no more exploitative sentiment in his character. As long as there is a sense that anything is separate from the Supreme Lord, there can be the misconception of personal ownership on the part of the spirit soul. And this whole material world centers around that conception that things are here for our enjoyment. And that there is that I can have a separate interest from that of the Supreme Lord. And therefore I can own something myself. I can I can have some relationship with the world myself, which is independent spirituality. That independent desire to ex- to exploit the world places one in illusion because this material world is not here for our exploitation this material world is here for krishna's pleasure arjuna states in the beginning of this verse krishna what are his characteristics he's the supreme pure he's the supreme sustenance He's the supreme truth. He's eternal, transcendental. Everything is emanating from him. This whole chapter, the vibhutis, the opulences of the supreme are going to be delineated at the end of the chapter. As long as we have an independent desire to exploit these vibhutis or opulences of God and not use them for his pleasure, then we will then we were immediately attacked by these four defects. How does this happen? It's be, it happens because we first of all accept this material body as ourself. Well, the body has imperfect senses, but if I accept it as myself and I try to use it for 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 enjoying the material world, then I'm an illusion. As long as the senses are used, not used for their proper purpose, they're being used imperfectly. So when I've used my senses imperfectly, trying to exploit and take the pleasure for myself, then I'm an illusion. The senses aren't made to please me. These senses are made to please Krishna. So I become an illusion. I make mistakes. Why? Because I'm not centering myself. I'm not harmonizing my existence 
with the Supreme's existence. I'm not working for his benefit. And within this material world, there's no way that we can enjoy without cheating. We have to cheat. You have to cheat. Who are you cheating? Well, you're cheating yourself. We're cheating ourselves by thinking we can enjoy. We're trying to take what's meant for Krishna's pleasure for our own pleasure. And that's a cheating mentality. So let's look, go on with these verses and, and see where Arjuna goes. Arjuna now, he knows Krishna's position. He's praising Krishna. Now, through these next few verses, he makes requests that Krishna reveal his vibhutis, his opulences, in such a way that others can come to the conclusion he has. Text 14. O Krishna, I totally accept as truth all that you have told me. Neither the demigods nor the demons, O Lord, can understand your personality. Indeed, you alone know yourself by your own internal potency, O Supreme Person, origin of all, Lord of all beings, God of gods, Lord of the universe. Again, if you read the Sanskrit, these verses, you see Arjuna is, is basically, he's in an ecstatic state. We may say, well, this seems redundant. No, he's, he's just praising Krishna. He's, over, he's overwhelmed by Krishna's position. He's overwhelmed by the joy of spreading this knowledge of Krishna's opulences to everyone. Now we note that Krishna already, he already made this point earlier in the chapter when he said that neither the host of demigods nor the sages know my origin and or opulences. For in every respect, I am the source of the demigods and sages. So in this verse, Arjuna is basically saying, well, how can those demigods and those sages, those rishis, how can they know your position? Indeed, you alone know yourself by your own internal potency, O Supreme Person, origin of all, Lord of all beings, God of gods, Lord of the universe. It's not that the sages and the demigods, they can understand you, but you understand yourself. There's an interesting analogy in this regard. If you take your own birth and you go to your mother and you say, who's my father? Can anyone else tell me? Can anyone else say who is the source? Who is the father? Who is the seed of your birth? Just the mother. Veda is considered mother. Krishna, he knows the source. He knows his position. The demigods can know only by his mercy what, what their source is. They're not going to arrive at an understanding of what is the source of their existence without being told by Krishna who is the source of their existence. Just as we will not know who our father is unless it is revealed to us by our mother. We can find out, yes, who I think my father is is my father, not the yard man. <laughs> if our mother is truthful she's the only one that knows 
Arjuna is saying. This is Krishna. You know yourself. You're the, you are the source of everything. You know. Now, please tell me in detail of your divine opulences by which you pervade all these worlds. Text 17. O Krishna, O supreme mystic, how shall I constantly think of you and how shall I know you? In what various forms are you to be remembered, O Supreme Personality of Godhead? O Janardan, again please describe in detail the mystic power of your opulences. I am never satiated by hearing about you, for the more I hear, the more I want to taste the nectar of your words. So in these verses, for our benefit... Arjuna is requesting that Krishna explain his vibhutis, his opulences, so that we can constantly remember him. And you will note, when we review these verses next week, that the knowledge that Krishna gives here at the end of the 10th chapter is a way that we can see the Supreme in relationship to everything that we have knowledge of within this material world. So the knowledge that Krishna gives as to his opulences, he delivers in such a way that we can appreciate it with our current mind and senses. So this knowledge here is preliminary knowledge. Now we understand from the practice of devotional service that there is very, there is very intimate knowledge of the Supreme. There is very intimate knowledge of Krishna as he resides within the spiritual world and how he exchanges in a loving way emotional sentiment or ecstasies with his topmost devotees. That knowledge is more intimate than what is going to be provided by Krishna in explaining those opulences are the secret of pure devotional service. Bhagavad Gita's preliminary study, it's meant to bring us to a platform of goodness where we can begin to see the Supreme as throughout His material manifestation. But ultimately, this, the remembrance, Arjuna's asking here for Krishna to explain how one can see him and remember him always. Smarna, one of the processes of devotional service, nine primary processes of devotional service. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smarna, Smarnam, remembering the Supreme. In order for us to advance nicely in spiritual life, we need to come to a platform where whatever we perceive in this world, whatever we see in this world, whatever knowledge we have of the world and the workings of this material universe, all that is in relationship with the Supreme Lord. But ultimately, we'll note, and we can jump ahead now, to the end of the chapter. And what's Krishna say at the very end of the chapter regarding this little glimpse into his Ashvari, his opulences, his vibhutis. 
at the end of the chapter, after giving so much detailed methods by which we could remember him, through our experience, our experiential existence in this material world, and it goes on for many verses, he gives so many different ways that we can remember him. But at the end, what's he tell Arjuna? Hmm. But what need is there, Arjuna, for all this detailed knowledge? With a single fragment of myself, I pervade and support this entire universe. This is just a little glimpse you, you, this doesn't even give you, this, this is a glimpse. With this a, a single tiny fragment of what is my opulence. I've given you this simple fragment. But really, what need is that? There's no need for this knowledge there's need, of course, for, every, for us to take Krishna's instructions and learn how to see Krishna within this world. But to Arjuna, his intimate friend, who already has a loving relationship with him, he concludes the chapter by saying, what need is all this detail? What need is there for you to see me here? You're seeing me here standing before you as your dear most friend. And that is the knowledge that's given as we advance in devotional service. As we become steady in remembering Krishna constantly. That steadiness, that platform of steadiness, that nista, that steadiness in devotional practice where we're remembering Krishna all the time. That is the beginning of the budding of love of God. Nista, steadiness. Remembrance of Krishna always. How do we accomplish that? What do we do to come to that platform? The spiritual master gives us simple instruction. Refrain from sinful life. No intoxication, no meat-eating, no gambling, no illicit sex. These things will simply... You can't build a firm spiritual foundation when you still have these things hampering your existence. You have to give these up. And you have to come to the platform of hearing purely the holy name. You have to chant without offense. You have to hear purely. When you hear purely, when the anarthas that have troubled our heart for millions of lifetimes, when those anarthas begin to fall away, then we can hear. When we hear nicely, then our remembrance becomes fixed. When our remembrance becomes fixed, then we become steady. When we become steady, then we advance. What's the next platform after steadiness? Then there's some taste. We actually, the tastes in this world, no longer attract us. That's steadiness and devotional practice. When those things that we have always sought after as the sources of our pleasure no longer attract us, then we can begin to appreciate spiritual enjoyment. There's taste. Then there's attachment. A shakti. Then bhav. 
Bhav is preliminary. Bhav is those spiritual emotions that are preliminary to pure love. As aspiring devotees, we have to, as quickly as possible, throw off the anarthas, follow Krishna's directions of how to see him everywhere, become steady in our devotional practice. And then, even beyond the smarnam that Krishna is going to speak of in the end of this chapter, we will be led by the spiritual masters, by our spiritual master, by the parampara, as Prabhupada emphasized in the verse we chanted tonight. We will be led by the parampara to engage in extremely intimate, loving exchanges with the Lord on the spiritual platform. I'll stop there. Are there any questions? So I have a question. I'm sorry if I will just like, bother you. Uh, It'll be a bother if I can't answer it. Okay. And I'll be bothering you. <laughs> so, uh, in the verse which uh, we talked today, which you were referring to the previous, uh, previous classes, uh, where Krishna says that in the heart, he takes the ignorance away from the heart by his presence there and gives the knowledge and understanding and And so after saying that we read those verses uh, today where where Arjuna really gets who Krishna is and he just like spells it out Mm -hmm. and now he is asking Krishna to show him or to describe his opulences he begins with the opulences and then next chapter yeah. he wants to see. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yes. So uh, my question is just like you know, Krishna already manifested in his heart. He got full understanding. or just like no doubt. Right. Later on he wants to hear about it. You know, it's just like it is not enough that Krishna does this in our heart. We need to, you know, just like hear about it and not only that, we need to see it. It just seems like... No, this is, all, this is all for our benefit. Arjuna is, Arjuna is acting under the influence of Yogamaya at this point for the benefit of mankind. So, the whole Bhagavad Gita is, is simply, it's simply a, a dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna for our benefit. Arjuna is already... Krishna's intimate friend and has a, a loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. He becomes bewildered by Krishna's arrangement for our benefit. Okay, I, I understand that. Yes. And I accept that. The, que- the question, you know, I'm trying to understand how does it work, how the, the Lord's potency works. Because on one hand, we have Arjuna as the example of someone who gets the realization Krishna right, who gets a realization. That's yes. right. But in the same moment, he's covered by the illusion for our benefit. Yes. So it just sounds like contradiction that, you know, in one sense, he gets this wonderful realization who Krishna actually is, that Krishna yes. is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but in the same time, he's covered by the illusion. Yes. Close <laughs> your mouth. It's okay. You didn't eat dirt. Same thing. Mother Yasoda is there and all the children are saying Krishna's eating dirt. Mother Yasoda says, Krishna, open your mouth. Let me see if you've eaten dirt. He opens his mouth and then Mother Yasoda sees all the universes 
She becomes a little bewildered, and she says, oh, just close your mouth, it's okay. In the same way, Krishna's, Krishna, in Leela, in loving exchange with his devotees, teaches us how to fall in love. So he teaches us what, on so many different platforms, no matter what our platform of devotional service. So you can see Krishna, Krishna is there and he's speaking to the fact that in verse number 11, he's speaking to the fact of him giving that pure devotional service is coming from him. We understand that. We can get so when when we come to the platform of of true admittance into spiritual into into galok into into the spiritual world. Krishna is the only one that does that. That's what verse eleven speaks to. I give you that, not all the knowledge. When you come to that form, that comes from me. And then Arjuna, yes, now I see you are, yeah. But it's only that bewilderment, that that whole this whole leela of the heart of Bhagavad Gita is being played out in, in an exchange between Krishna's most intimate friend. Does that make sense? Were you asking how people get Krishna's mercy? Excuse me. How 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 one gets Krishna's mercy? Oh, you stay for some prasad? Hare Krishna? Tell them there's prasad. Maybe they can stay. Or they're taking. It sounds like she's fixing for it. The, uh, you know, we see that Arjuna gets this mercy from Krishna. But, but in the same time, we, we, we understand that it's just, you know, he's covered by material energy. So that's, you know... It just sounds like two opposite things. Yes, yes. Just like Mother Yasoda. Yeah. Seeing the universal form, it's contrary to her loving exchange with Krishna. It's contrary. For our benefit, it's revealed. Bhagavatam, Bhagavatam reveals this, that this little boy running around in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj is God. Here, he has the whole universes in his mouth. His mother is seeing them all. But her love supersedes that. Oh, yes, wow. She's amazed. <laughs> but immediately, Yoga Maya comes back in to allow that loving exchange. How could you love this a little boy who's God as your son? It's not possible. Unless Krishna's internal pleasure potency bewilders you into thinking he's just an ordinary boy. Without him being an ordinary boy, how can you relate with God as your son? Similarly, how can Arjuna relate to Krishna as his most intimate friend when you realize he's God? So... In these verses, yes, Arjuna has, he's basically, he's stepped back from that friendly relationship for our benefit. That's a fact, he has. But at the end of the 11th chapter, it's like, that's enough. 
I don't want to see any more. I know enough. If they don't get the fact that you're God, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to love you as my friend. 